Amen. Hey, have you ever been surprised that someone was talking to you? Someone that uh, had some sort of stature or importance or popularity that they were actually talking to you. When I was in college, I went to a school where football was a really big deal. And so by that mark, then the football coach was a really big deal. And this football coach's name was Coach Sweeney. And so then he was this really big deal. He just kind of carried this aura with him wherever he went. And he was especially a big deal to me. And I remember that there was one day where we just happened to be in the same room at the same time. And as I was exiting the room, I hear a voice from behind me call, hey, hey, Charlie, wait a second. Hold on. I want, I want to talk to you. And I look behind me and to my surprise, all I see is Coach Sweeney kind of heading in my direction. And it looks like he, he might've been talking to me. And so I do what any logical person at that point would do. And I'd start to just turn around and assume there must be someone else named Charlie around here. Like, I wonder where he is. He's definitely not talking to me. Except he kept getting closer and closer and eventually he got so close, I had the courage to look at him and are you talking to me? And he goes, yeah, of course I'm talking to you. And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that he was talking to me, that, that his message was actually intended for me. I wonder if you've had one of those, are you talking to me type of moments in your own life, a situation like that. And, and believe it or not, the people who lived at the time of the birth of Jesus, they all had one of those, are you talking to me moments too. You see, the people in the, in, who lived at the time of the birth of Jesus, there's an angel that comes and makes this big proclamation about what's coming, and they all start looking around at each other and say, are you sure you're talking to me? Here's what the angel says. In Luke 2, the angel comes and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And the angel continues on saying, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You see, the news of this pronouncement of what the angel was saying, this good news of great joy, it spreads like wildfire, and everybody that encounters it, everybody that runs into it, all of a sudden they start to ask themselves, oh, are you talking to me? Are you sure you're talking to me? And I wonder, maybe if we're honest with ourselves, if, if, you might, if we might be asking the same thing. You see, when the angel says this, when we read that the angel says this, it's not that we don't want to believe it. There's good news and great joy. Or it's not that we maybe haven't even already committed ourselves to believing it and to living as though it's true. But I, I just wonder if we maybe deep down, we might sort of look at ourselves and think like, are you sure you're talking to me? Good news of great joy for me? Be because I... I don't know, I've lived some life, and when I look around at this world, and when I look around at my own life and observe that, I kind of think, gosh, I see a lot of things, but I don't see much great joy. Are you sure you're talking to me? Those who lived at the time of Jesus wondered the same thing that maybe some of us wonder today when we read that the angel makes this type of 
pronouncement, this type of proclamation. This good news of the birth of Jesus, could it actually do what the angel said it would do? Is, is there actually joy to be found in the birth of Jesus? Is there really joy in that manger? One group of people who was absolutely asking this question at the time of the birth of Jesus were the wise men. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna read their story to you. It's from Matthew 2. The text says this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and, and we've come to worship him. And when they saw the star, when they started to get closer to the star, it says they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child, Jesus, with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Now, contrary to common understanding, these wise men, they probably weren't kings or rulers. It's more likely that they were some sort of Zoroastrian priest. They, they studied the stars. They're like an astrologer, an astronomer. They, they knew the stars and they knew them well. And so when this star appears, they start to think that that star might have some sort of significance and they follow it. They follow it for like almost a thousand miles probably to see where it ends up. But I can't help but just wonder, like, why in the world did they follow it? Like, what would cause them to go on that type of journey to follow that star? I just have to wonder, like, what were they, what were they searching for? And I, I think all of a sudden, as we start to explore the wise men's story, they become a whole lot re more relatable to you and to me. And, and probably not in the expertise in the stars part, or at least I'll speak for myself in that. Maybe some of you are star experts. But, but in the other part, the part that they, pro like probably you and me, that we're searching. We're, we're searching for something more. We're, we're desperately seeking something beyond what we've already experienced in this life. And so for the wise men, they seem to be searching for a king, a true king, some, a, a different kind of king. And maybe that's what you're searching for. Or maybe, maybe you're searching for something different. Maybe you're searching for just any kind of love and affection that you can possibly find. Or maybe you're searching for, for validation, for someone to say, you're doing a good job, you're doing it right, keep going. Or for any sort of peace in the midst of chaos. Maybe you're searching for that. Or maybe you're searching for meaning or purpose. Like, why do I even get up every day? What's the point? Maybe you're searching along those lines. Or maybe, just maybe, you're searching for a break from it all. Someone or something that can just take off the craziness and the stress of life so you can just sit down and breathe for like two seconds. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what you're searching for. But I do know that if you're searching that the wise men could relate exactly to how you're feeling and what you're experiencing, that they could relate to the search for something. And it's through that search, it's through that search for something that they come to find joy in the manger of the birth of Jesus. You see, once, once they make it to Jesus, once they encounter, once they find Jesus, they're done searching. They don't actually have to go searching anymore. They found 
exactly what it is that they're searching for. They found a baby in a manger who points to a God who's actually the true king, a baby in a manger who points to a God who loves beyond our capacity to even understand what that type of incomprehensible love might look like, a baby in a manger that points to a God who gives us true peace, who provides us meaning and purpose, points to a God who gives us rest and relief from the chaos and the burdens of this world. And so they don't need to search anymore because they found Jesus. When the angel of the Lord announces this great joy, I have come to give you good news of great joy. It was talking to the wise men. And if you find yourself in that exact same boat, in that searching boat, if you're searching too, then the angel of the Lord is talking to you too. You see, the wise men were searching and they found joy in the manger and they worshiped Jesus. Um, I wonder uh, how you would describe if we're doing a pop quiz and saying, well, okay, if you're going to pick one word to describe the state of the world right now, well, what would it be? Uh, my, my word would be weary. I think the world is so, so weary. I was having a conversation the other day with someone, and they said, I, I just feel so defeated. And, and I asked a really dumb follow-up question. I said, defeated by what? And they just replied flatly, life. And I sort of laughed for a second, and then I thought, gosh, I, I wonder, and I would imagine, that they're probably not the only ones who feel that. I just feel so defeated by what? By life. It seems like life is just kind of continually one crushing blow after another to so many of us. You know, it could be a million things in the world right now, eventually to the point where we get crushed down, and now we're just feeling so weary. It's a weary world that we live in. And it was a weary world that Jesus was born into as well. You see, when the angel of the Lord declares, I, I bring you good news of great joy, the wise men, they weren't the only ones asking themselves, are you sure you're talking to me? Are you talking to me? No, but I think that everybody who lived under the ruling authority of Herod the Great was asking themselves the exact same thing. Great joy for me? under the ruling authority of this guy? Are you sure you're talking to me? You see, Herod the Great, or Herod as the scriptures refer to him as, he, he ruled over the territory of Judah at the time of Jesus' birth, and he was just this merciless, tyrannical ruler. His whole game was, how do I get as much power as I can, and, and, and what do I have to do to make sure that doesn't get taken away from me? So much so, he, he had multiple wives and multiple sons, and, and he, he, he didn't bat an eye at killing many of them just to make sure, because they were a perceived threat to his power and authority. He wanted to make sure he eliminated anyone or anything that could potentially usurp his power and his authority. He ruled in this kind of cruel and oppressive way, making sure that everybody else around him knew and felt how powerless 
they were compared to him. Can you imagine living in a society like that? What a weary world that must have been. And this is the man, Herod, that the wise men run into on their journey to meet Jesus. Matthew 2 tells us this when it explains the story of Herod. When, when Herod hears about the birth of Jesus, he becomes disturbed. And so he calls the Magi secretly to him, the wise men secretly to him, and he finds out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen it when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So they finally get to the manger. They finally get to Jesus. And then this happens when they're there. The scripture tells us that in having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, the wise men returned to their country by another route. You see, the scriptures later on will tell us that Herod had no intention of going to worship Jesus. He had every intention of going and killing Jesus, making sure that the threat that he believed that Jesus might pose to his own power and authority, that, that it couldn't exist anymore. He eventually goes so far in that effort that he, that he orders that every child under the age of two be killed just to make sure that the baby Jesus couldn't survive. You see, this story gives us a glimpse of two very different kinds of kings. One king is, is Herod, and, and he's obsessed with power. He, he uses that power to oppress others and make them feel powerless. He does everything he can to create a really, really weary world for the people that live in it. And the other king in this story is Jesus. Born in a humble manger among the peasant class, Jesus doesn't come into the world interested in, in gathering power and authority. No, he comes in the world interested in, in serving and advocating on behalf of the least of these. He's a king that cares for the outsider, the person that the world never gave a fair shot to. That's who Jesus' heart is for. And he's a king that comes to establish a kingdom, a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom full of mercy and love, a kingdom that, that is interested in lifting up other people who haven't had the fair chance in the world, who desperately need lifting up and who deeply deserve it, and they deeply deserve it simply because the king says so, because he cares so much for them. You see, the story of Christmas is that this new type of king, Jesus, has entered into the world, and with him comes an entirely new type of kingdom. When the angel makes this pronouncement of good news, of great joy that's available for people, the angel was right. You see, the, the birth of Jesus brings great joy even to those people living under the oppressive rule of Herod because there's a new type of kingdom that lifts them up. You see, these people, when they heard the news, they're wondering, Is, are you sure you're talking to me? 
because it's really hard to believe in the situation that I live in right now. Are you sure you're talking to me? And the angel was. And the same is true for people today, people who feel powerless, who experience oppression, and who are just flat-out weary from the things that the world throws at them, and who ask, are you sure you're talking to me? And the answer is yes. Yes, he's talking to you. See, worldly power doesn't win. The wise men don't go back to Herod. They leave and go the other way, and Jesus stays alive to continue and fulfill his mission. And because of that, because there's a new kingdom that entered into this world, those who feel weary can finally rejoice. There is joy to be found in the manger.